Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. The Business Council of British Columbia and Conference Board of Canada have in recent weeks indicated continued uncertainty, slight uncertainty anyway, among businesses in terms of the confidence they hold about the economy as the recovery continues in the pandemic. Federal leaders out on the campaign and provincial governments are pledging continued support for the small and medium-sized businesses and the sector there, but at different levels than at the start of the coronavirus. But it's a good time to take stock right now about what they face and what they're seeking. And one person who would hear about this is Kevin Hamaoka. He's the Senior Vice President of Commercial Banking at TD Bank. He's a first British Columbian-based person to hold this role. So we're going to be able to talk specifically about this province, I think. And he assumed the role during the pandemic. Uh, he joins me now. Good to see you. Great to see you too, Kirk. Really appreciate you uh, you having the time to sit down with me today. You're back. You're back in the office, so that's great. I am. I am back in the office now. It's uh, it's uh, it's been good to be back, you know, uh, and uh, you know, sort of get a little more sense of normal than we've had over the past eighteen months. Yeah, and that's of course what small and medium-sized businesses are trying to achieve as well, particularly those that have workforces of a significant enough size that. They have work sites, uh, workplaces, um, particularly in the white collar part of the economy uh, that have been working remotely in all of this. What what are you picking up on um, that you think are their main concerns at the moment? It's interesting. I mean, you know, until probably the last two days, you know, my sense has been that, you know, British Columbia has been quite well positioned when we look across the country from an economic recovery standpoint. And you know, I think that if you're looking at the numbers that are coming off with Stats Can in the last couple of days, it seems like there's been a little bit of a dip. And, you know, when, it, when, I'm, when I'm talking to our clients, I think, you know, they have some macro concerns still in recovery. And I, and I think, you know, the most important thing to look at is, is like, depending on people's position, and, and what industry they're in. I think they're at different stages. And, you know, certainly I think, you know, the hospitality and tourism industry, they're not back yet. And, you know, they're still not operating at full capacity. There's, you know, a number of sectors of our economy that I think, you know, weathered the storm quite well. And, you know, some other sectors of the economy that, you know, really accelerated the growth, you know, but a couple themes in my mind that I think are top of mind for our small to medium sized business owners is just labor. You know, I, I think as much yeah. as, you know, the labor supply is back, you know, to pre-pandemic levels in a number of sectors, it's just really hard to attract talent. And I think part of that's immigration. It, you, you ascribe immigration on this one. And some people have also uh, pointed to some of the actual government programs of income support during yeah. this period of time, too, and whether that has caused people to basically take time away from the workforce and all of that. So. You know, if you take those two factors and put them together, you know, yeah. it, it, does that does that lead us to believe that actually, if if these programs relent a little bit more, that we'll see a reasonable flood back into the market uh, of labor, or or is this really a a, a sticking point here? Uh, I'm not sure if it's a generational shift, if that's what we're getting at and, and what people and, and, you know, certainly I think, you know, when we talk to our employees, and when I talk to customers, people are taking restock of their lives and what's important to them and, and it's causing them pause and, um, you know, and that's getting back to, you know, the start of the pandemic. I, I think it was tough on people, right, in order to balance work and life and family and, and all those factors that went together. And so, you know, it does resonate with me, you know, do I think as some of these government support 
you know, programs pull back, we'll see more people come to the workforce. Well, I think the numbers are showing that the supply of labor is there. Um, you know, it, it, but I think people are moving around the industry and, you know, finding other places. And so, you know, you're finding shortages in one areas and surpluses in others. And, you know, I think the, the economy has just kind of come back to balance a little bit before we can, you know, really make conclusions on that. You know, the other piece as we look into like, you know, heightened customer concerns around things and, and, and heightened concerns around the economy is really just supply and supply of product too. If, if, if I think if you look at the numbers in and around, you know, what container costs are for shipping, if you can get product, I think, you know, it's up in some cases 10 times, you know, yeah. and, and for some of these, you know, for some of these products, you know, we're looking at the cost of shipping is more than the cost of actually the product itself. And so you know, I think, you know, the combination of both labor and supply is really putting pressure and, and you know, we're seeing some inflationary pressure on prices and, and, and that also causes people to pause. Do you feel like we're getting the total picture on inflation? Is there a fair amount of hidden inflation where companies are for the time being by virtue of some of the government programming um, kind of almost suppressing or concealing uh, the price increases, the, uh, the cost increases in some of their goods and services while they've got some support um, when in fact, if, if that support disappears, you know, we will see some, some goods and services shoot up in terms of cost. Yeah. And that's not something that maybe I would be the best to answer on with that respect. Um, you know, I'm not an economist, but you know, from what I can see from our clients, I, I think, you know, the reality, if I just take trade contracting or the construction industry for general, you know, I, I think there is real pressure, you know, with some of the projects that are going on where, you know, they're fixed into prices and fixed into costing and they're seeing escalation on their underlying supply. That's going to put pressure for them on the economy and how we move. You know, do I think at the end of the day, there is going to be in the short term, some inflation pressure I, I do I, I, I do yeah when uh, when you're talking to small and medium-sized businesses many of them of course offer uh, entry-level positions to people um, again are we looking at uh, you know, a serious amount of pressure on um, on wages in order to get that workforce back um, well you know, I, I mean, the only real, I, I guess, example I would have of that, you know, my wife's got a family business and, you know, they have, you know, in the hospitality industry. And, you know, I think the biggest challenge for them is, is you know, labor right now and, and getting people back into, you know, more of a, a full time, you know, workforce there. And, and I, I, I think money in my mind is secondary for a lot of people making these choices today and uh -huh. you know i think it's just going to take some time in order for them to actually make the life choice of you know coming back and valuing what's important to them i mean I, if i look at the demographic of the individuals that are in their business or 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 coming back to that i i think there's a lot of choice on what they want to do whether it's school or whether you know other forms of education or trades or you know i think they're really taking stock of life and figuring out what they want to do yeah, and I've I've talked to business leaders during the pandemic who had to uh, reduce salaries and and therefore uh, move people down to four days or three days a week. Um, quite a few of them report back that some of their employees actually got used to having a smaller salary, um, like the idea of having an extra day a week, for instance, uh, where they're yeah. they're not working. What does that speak to, do you think, in terms of the flexibility that businesses are going to need to have, and, and for that matter, government policy need to have um, in order to make sure that we, we somehow accommodate what will perhaps emerge in the way of, um, 
know, a workforce that wants a little bit less time at, at the worksite. Yeah, I mean, I think we do. And, and, and certainly at TD, we're exploring different ways of how we work. And, you know, when I talk to some of our customers, um, you know, the idea of having a four day work leave resonates with some people. Um, you know, at TD here, we're looking at, you know, the way we work and how we work in order to support our employees. And, and I don't think it's a one size fits all. You know, there's yeah. still a number of people that work, you know, at TD in business banking that, you know, value being in an office space, value working, you know, five days a week and sort of that eight to four thirty type role. And, and they enjoy that. You know, there's other people that, you know, want the flexibility. And, and I think it's upon us to look forward, you know, as organizations to say, you know, how do we best? meet not only our employee needs, but our customer needs, you know, and able to deliver services in the way they expect. And, you know, and, and that's a change for us too, because our employees are mapping back to what our customer needs are, right? And so if our customers want to operate four days a week, that's something we're going to have to get used to as well. I haven't heard uh, either of the central banks on each side of the border yet utter a peep about, uh, about interest rates moving up anytime soon. Are those low interest rates pretty crucial to sustain some kind of a decent recovery here? Um, I mean, again, you know, I'm not an economist. Uh, and so, you know, I'm going to have to maybe take a pass on answering that one. You know, I certainly see the economy as it is today. And, you know, over the last couple of days, you know, the, the numbers that came out that were sort of, you know, are less than what we expected on growth and GDP. And so, you know, my sense would be is that, you know, the, the central banks do take a pause on what they're looking at and, you know, looking more to target, you know, uh, looking more to target the longer term as we get into the recovery. Yeah, I, I guess maybe my question that's more direct and, and more relevant in, in your role as a senior VP of commercial banking is, yeah. what, what do you think banks will continue to need to do in all of this in order to nurture the recovery? I think we need to land. And, and, and that's, you know, I think where it is today. I, I think there's plenty of capital in the market. You know, I think that both businesses and consumers are sitting on balances, you know, kind of waiting patiently to see how the recovery sort of, you know, pans out. Uh, if you look at the statistics on savings rates, as well as, you know, draw credit, uh, you know, you're seeing sort of peaks in savings rates and sort of dips and what you look at, if you look at the, I was reading an article the other day on just visa utilization rates. And so it seems that there is capital sitting on the sideline waiting for investment. You know, the big key for us as banks is, you know, we continue to support the economy is, you know, providing credit and availability to businesses in order to grow. Yeah. And, and at rates that I, I guess are pretty well in recent times, uh, as low as they've ever been. Um, when you consider also that the, the, um, the amount of uh, not necessarily forgiveness, but at least a little bit of forbearance for the time being around some of the difficulties that, that companies have had in servicing uh, their, their debt. Um, again, is that, a, is, is that something that, that banks just have to kind of sustain for a while yet? I do think in certain industries, we need to continue to be patient. A number of industries have rebounded and actually really, you know, thrived during this time. And, you know, if you touch on, you know, some of those industries, you know, whether it be tech on communications, how we're communicating today or the grocery industry and under food and beverage industries, you know, that are really firing on all cylinders. I mean, or, you know, some delivery businesses, right? I mean, yeah, I don't think there's many people that can say they're not on a first name basis with their Amazon driver today. So, you know, those type of industries, I think, are back. 
Um, you know, but certainly I think when you look at tourism and hospitality, there's, you know, I think there's a great deal of patience that we need to remain in those spaces in order to provide people the opportunity to get back. Yeah. The, the, uh, the uncertainty that's in the system also appears to be predicated, as you, as you indicated earlier, um, on a labor shortage that is pinned to the fact that, that we haven't been able to bring a lot of people to Canada in the last year and a half. Um, how, how crucial are your customers saying uh, it is for us to start seeing a return to immigration levels and, and even uh, larger immigration levels than we've experienced? Yeah, I haven't specifically talked just in and around immigration directly with any clients. You know, you know, my sense is, is that, you know, we, you know, in, certainly in BC, we, we do benefit from immigration in that sort of, you know, 50,000 a year range. And, you know, that's in a number of sectors. You know, I, I think if you if you look at the agriculture sector, you know, I think that, you know, there's a lot of dependence there on, you know, having foreign workers come in in order to support that business. So I think as we grow, we're going to need to find the employment base somewhere. Um, and, you know, it, it, it is, as we're at almost, you know, sort of pre-pandemic levels of employment now as our economy grows, there's only, you know, there's only a need to bring more people in. Um, okay, so as a journalist, we tend to focus on the negative, but I want to ask you uh, to conclude here yeah. with what do, is, what do you think has worked? What has been successful in the way that uh, policies have been rolled out in the pandemic to deal with small and medium-sized businesses? What's worked? Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's a policy thing. I, I think it's, you know, more of a general community thing that I think's worked, especially as I look for the banks. I mean, you know, if I look at, you know, the sense of community we built with our customers around, you know, patients and how we grow, I think, you know, the most interesting thing to me was how coordinated we were, you know, as a financial sector, you know, to provide, you know, you know, relief you know, to our customers in regards to mortgage payments or loan payments, you know, as well as to try and stimulate the economy. And 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 I think that that's the, the piece that I look from a policy standpoint that maybe worked is, you know, it's almost that whole idea of, you know, instant evolution, right? Like we can make these decisions very quickly to support the economy and support businesses and individuals when we when we need to, right? And, and I think that that's what happened here is, is that we were able to be coordinated in a very fast you know, way in order to provide, you know, individuals as well as businesses the support they needed to continue on. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic hasn't been bad for the banking sector by any means, but uh, how important was it, do you think, that the sector and its stability um, offer that kind of service into the community in terms of stabilizing any recovery that we were going to have? Yeah, I, I mean, the interesting part was I don't think we really had another option and, and I don't think we had much to base it on. Right. Is, you know, and, and you know, I think what was quite surprising to everybody is, is it's almost like a situation when that happens, you prepare for the worst and, you know, we're bankers, we manage risk. And so we look at what the downside is, as you said, you know, you know, you know, as much as we're optimists, you know, we look at the downside in banking and and and, and I think we were we were remarkably surprised by, you know, what came out of this in you know, a relatively short period of time. And I think that just goes to the resilience of our economy, especially in BC. Yeah. When you take a look at, uh, at the last two crises, uh, the banking sector actually has, uh, has, has navigated them um, extremely well uh, by, uh, you know, by, I think, world standards in this case here. What yeah. do you think, uh, if anything, Kevin, um, has been the learning uh, for, for your company and for the sector in, in these last yeah. 
almost 18 months now? Um, you know, I think, you know, for us, like at the micro level, I, I think making decisions locally, you know, I, you know, the organization does a really good job, especially at TD by putting decisions in local leaders hands. And, you know, so, you know, each, each different geography has its own separate set of challenges based on the industries and the people that they manage. And so, I, you know, I think that that's a big thing that helped us through all of this. Um, you know, the other thing that I, I think we look at is, is that, you know, the, you know, the banking sector in Canada is rather well capitalized. I think our capital ratios are quite strong and, you know, that allows us, you know, to take economic shocks and step right. And so, you know, I think that that helps us from a governance standpoint in general. Yeah. It's been a very good status report, uh, really good insights into uh, the relationship between banks, small and medium-sized businesses, which, uh, as you know, if they don't recover, we don't recover. So uh, good to Absolutely. talk to you today. Great to talk to you too, Kirk. Thank you very much. Kevin Hamaoka is the Senior Vice President of Commercial Banking at TD Bank. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Publisher and Editor-in-Chief of Business of Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching.